You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include an earthquake hits Australia and a local New Jersey YouTuber indicted on 62 counts including multiple felonies. Here is your national news recap for the week of September 19th. Pfizer is out with big news about the safety and effectiveness of its COVID vaccine in children. The results of a trial involving kids ages 5 to 11 showed the vaccine led to antibody responses that were comparable to those in people ages 16 to 25 who got the shots. Those in the younger age group were given a lower dose of the vaccine, but it still included two shots administered three weeks apart. Vaccine side effects were also similar. Pfizer chairman and CEO Albert Borla said the test results provide a strong foundation for seeking authorization of our vaccine for children 5 to 11 years old, and we plan to submit them to the FDA and other regulators with urgency. The FBI confirmed the body found in Wyoming is Gabby Petito. A body fitting Petito's description was found on Sunday in a camping area near Grand Teton National Park. Her boyfriend, Brian Laundrie, is a person of interest in her disappearance, and the FBI executed a search warrant at his family home as agents look for him. Police in Virginia are investigating a double shooting at a high school Monday morning. There was a large police presence at Heritage High School in the city of Newport News. Students were evacuated and neighboring schools were put on lockdown. Police said the two victims' injuries were not believed to be life-threatening, and they are currently at a hospital. Police have not ID'd the victims and have not said whether they are looking for suspects. The Portland Expo Center could be a safe site for the city's homeless population. KGW is reporting that the Expo Center may be a safe rest village for people living in recreational vehicles and cars. The Expo Center is a 50-acre property with large parking lots that could offer space for those living on wheels. Discussions are reportedly ongoing to further evaluate the proposal. Emergency crews were on the scene after a car crashed into a New Jersey transit bus Wednesday morning in Irvington, New Jersey. Seventeen people suffered minor injuries and some utility poles were also knocked down on 18th Avenue. Cops say the car involved in the accident, which ran a red light, was stolen. Police say there was a gun in the car and the male driver, along with his female passenger, will face a gun charge with most likely more charges to follow. Police believe a homeless man found dead with a rope around his neck in Central Park Wednesday may have been murdered. A woman working in a public garden near East 65th Street discovered the body around 8 a.m. Police say they are familiar with the homeless man who they say frequents the park. The city's medical examiner office will try to determine the cause of death. Residents of a small community north of Redding, California have been forced to flee a fast-moving wildfire. The Fawn Fire is just 5% contained and is threatening the unincorporated neighborhood of Mountain Gate. The Shasta County Sheriff's Office has issued a mandatory evacuation order. The third Asian giant hornet's nest found this year near Blaine, Washington has been removed. 
The Washington State Department of Agriculture says it was more difficult to remove than other nests because it was located 20 feet up a tree. There were 10 combs in the nest and they recovered the queen. There were no male hornets, only worker hornets. Traps remain in the area to find any other so-called murder hornets that might be buzzing around. An alleged mobster is dead. The last person linked by the FBI to a brazen theft that shook the art world just over two decades ago. Robert Gentile died last Friday of a stroke at a hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. The 85-year-old was a person of interest in Boston's Stuart Gardner Museum heist, carried out on March 18, 1990. That was when two men disguised as police officers talked their way into a museum before tying up the security guards. More than $500 million worth of art was stolen, including works by Manet, Rembrandt, and Vermeer. Authorities had a statement from the widow of another mobster who said Gentile had received some of the art, something Gentile had always denied. The art has never been recovered, and there's a $10 million reward in the case. Weekly jobless numbers are taking a surprising jump. The Labor Department reports 351,000 Americans filed first-time claims for unemployment benefits last week. That's 16,000 more than the previous week's revised total. Most analysts were expecting today's number to come in right around 325,000. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your National News Recap. It's Ram, bringing you the week's politics for the Rowan Report. On the 22nd, New Jersey's own Senator Cory Booker returned from months of bipartisan negotiations with South Carolina Senator Tim Scott and California Representative Karen Bass. This was over policing reform legislation, ending in no agreement, including on issues such as addressing qualified immunity. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki expressed that the president was disappointed and promised that in the coming weeks, the White House would engage with key groups, including law enforcement and civil rights leaders, to discuss future paths. From Florida, on the 22nd, Republican Representative Webster Barnaby has filed HB 167, a law similar in style to the hotly contested Texas law that retains the same hallmarks, including relying on private citizens bringing civil lawsuits and the reliance on fetal heartbeat detection. In the bigger picture, a few things loom overhead. The House passed a bill on the 21st that would prevent both the government shutdown and suspend the debt limit, with all Democrats voting in favor and all Republicans opposing. This provides stopgap money to keep the government funded to December 3rd and extend borrowing authority to the end of 2022, including $28.6 billion in disaster relief for the aftermath of Hurricane Ida and others, and $6.3 billion to support refugees from Afghanistan. As the bill heads to the Senate, Republicans are threatening to block it, opposing extending the debt limit. The Treasury has said that they are using extraordinary measures, and experts say that defaulting on sovereign debt would have disastrous economic consequences. At the same time, two other major bills hang in the balance. That's a $1 trillion infrastructure bill and a $3.5 trillion human infrastructure, climate, and social safety build back better bill. The conflict arises from the fact that House moderates don't want to vote for the larger bill until their priority, the $1 trillion bill, passes the House first, while the progressive don't want to vote in favor of the infrastructure bill until their top priority, the $3.5 trillion bill, passes the Senate. Biden met with the different Democrat groups at the White House on the 22nd to defuse tensions and negotiate compromise. On the 23rd, Congressional Democrats on the White House announced that they've agreed on a framework to pay for the human infrastructure bill. Conflict brews at the southern borders. A combination of deteriorating economic, social, and security situations, both in Haiti, with the recent earthquake and the presidential assassination, as well as other countries these Haitians have been living in since fleeing the earlier 2010 earthquake, is driving thousands of migrants to the borders. 
Confusion arises from Biden immigration policy reform that granted temporary protected status to thousands of Haitians who were already in the U.S., citing the difficult and extraordinary conditions in Haiti, leading to misperceptions about the status of the border. The contentious Title 42 law is being used to keep the borders clear, citing the pandemic. Pressure comes from the Republicans to take a harder stance while Democrats oppose the expelling. I've been Ram, and this has been Politics with the Rowan Report. I'm Victoria Baker, and this is your international news. Nintendo hosted a direct live stream on Thursday, September 23rd. It focused on Nintendo Switch games that are going to be released this winter. The 40-minute live stream comes with a new OLED model of the Switch's launch on October 8th. The event takes place at 6 p.m. Northeastern and can be seen on Nintendo's YouTube channel. A French Heinlein walker is achieving history after crossing the Seine River on the tightrope for his second time in his life. Onlookers in Paris gathered Saturday to cheer on the 27-year-old Nathan Pollen as he crossed a tightrope over 1,900 feet long suspended over 200 feet high. Attached by only a safety lanyard, he slowly made his way from the Eiffel Tower to the historic Presterian Theater. Pollen, who is the holder of several world records, performed the feat to celebrate France's annual Heritage Day. He said his motivation was mainly to do something beautiful, to share it, and also bring new perspective on heritage. Pollen had previously crossed the Seine on the tightrope on Heritage Day in 2017. A 6.0 magnitude earthquake is shaking up residents near Melbourne, Australia. Victoria State Emergency Services says the epicenter was near Mansfield in the state. They add there is no tsunami threat after the quake. Videos posted online show some minor damages and power services interrupted in downtown Melbourne. Part of Britain's royal family will be in New York City this past Wednesday, making their first joint public outing in months. Governor Kathy Hutch and Mayor Bill de Blasio will be meeting up with Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, at One World Observatory. Harry and Meghan will be taking part in the Global Citizen Live from Central Park. The organization released a statement saying that the royal couple will be continuing their urgent work with the world leaders in the pursuit against global vaccine equity at the end of COVID-19 pandemic for everyone, everywhere. France has warned that Europe's trade negotiation with Australia are at risk of collapse. Lucy Hughes has more from Brussels. There had been hopes that an EU-Australia free trade agreement could be signed off before the end of this year. But as it reels from a decision by Canberra to scrap a submarine deal with Paris worth $66 billion, one French official has warned the trade deal is now on the ropes. France's Europe Minister Clement Beaune has said Australia's breach of trust over the submarine deal means pursuing the trade negotiations is now unthinkable. Lucy Hoff. Brussels. Britain's Prince Andrew is being officially served in a sexual assault lawsuit against him. They were being delivered to his Los Angeles-based lawyers on Monday after his legal team said that he wasn't served with them earlier this month. Virginia Grafries said that she had sex with the Duke of York while she was underage. The suit was filed in New York and Guffrey said that she was assaulted there in addition to other places including London. The Duke has denied the allegations against him. I'm Victoria Baker, and that was your international news. And now it's time for local news with me, Sam Whalen. 
Baltimore City's plastic bag ban will be taking effect in October after being delayed twice since January due to the pandemic. Mayor Brandon Scott says the city has distributed thousands of free reusable bags for residents. Once the ban is in place, plastic bags will no longer be an option in stores and retailers found in violation more than three times may face a fine. City Comptroller Bill Henry says reducing reliance on single-use plastic bags will better protect neighborhood green spaces, public parks, and waterways. Customers who need a bag will be charged $0.05 for an alternative bag, with $0.04 going to the retailer and $0.01 going to the city. From Matt Arco at NJ Advanced Media for NJ.com, current New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is still in a good position to win in November's election, but a new poll released recently shows the race between the Democrat and Republican challenger Jack Cittarelli has tightened slightly. The governor has a 13 percentage point lead, 51% to Cittarelli's 38%, according to the Monmouth University poll. For Murphy, that's a 3 percentage point drop from a similar Monmouth poll from a month ago. Cittarelli's support from the GOP is 91%, up from 85% in August, according to the poll. Murphy, meanwhile, has 90% support from Democrats, up from 87% last month. Murphy also has a 44-39% to 39% edge among independents. From Joe Etmanovich at NJ Advanced Media for NJ.com, Federal authorities have arrested a New Jersey YouTuber for running an illegal streaming service that allowed him to amass a $30 million fortune, a stockpile of more than 50 vehicles, and dozens of properties in the region. Bill Omar Karasquia, known online as Omi and a Hellcat, was named in a 62-count indictment unsealed recently, charging him as the alleged ringleader in operating the streaming service, copyright infringement, wire fraud, tax evasion, and other felonies related to the lucrative business he built according to court documents filed by the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. Kyra Squeal was a well-known YouTuber who has nearly 800,000 subscribers on the platform in which he depicts his flashy lifestyle. Over the last year, he has posted about the FBI being at his South Jersey mansion that all came to a head recently when he was arrested at his Woolwich home. Once owned by Phillies player Jimmy Rollins, was live-streamed online, showing FBI agents standing on a Philadelphia Eagles doormat arresting Kyra Squeal. As bad as 2020 was during the height of the pandemic, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board is reporting that it had a great year. The PLCB released its unaudited financial results from the fiscal year 2020 through 2021, which shows that they made record net income and the largest increase in annual sales in its history. The PLCB made nearly $350 million more in sales than it did the year prior, and its net income was over $56 million higher than the previous fiscal year. This large bump in numbers could be possibly linked to the stay-at-home order as states nationwide saw increases in alcohol purchases. School board members in Patterson, New Jersey are reviewing the school food service program after pictures surfaced showing unattractive meals. Recent pictures of food drew criticism on social media and from school officials. A district official tells NorthJersey.com cafeteria staff have been retrained after not using a recipe they were trained to use. The multi-million dollar program feeds 25,000 students. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf is calling for statewide action against climate change with his administration's Pennsylvania Climate Action Plan 2021. Wolf says as thousands of Pennsylvanians try to recover from historic flooding and tornadoes related to the remnants of Ida this month, the message is clear. We must move now out of a reactive mode on climate change. The plan calls for action through legislation, government, industry, business, agriculture, and community organizations. It also features 18 strategies to reduce greenhouse gas emission levels by 26% by the year 2025 and 80% by 2050, while generating an average of 42,000 new jobs yearly. I'm Sam Whalen, and that was your local news. I'm Lloyd Wilson, and this is your Rowan News. This Tuesday, the new coffee shop Saxby's opened up in the business hall. We caught up with the student CEO, Melody Wozunk, and Kevin Kett for a comment. 
As a cafe, I mean, we're just getting started. As you may have heard, we are opening another Saxby's Cafe in the future when they do the expansion of the, of the cafes in the student center. So that will be very exciting and that's just more opportunity for students to be working on campus and more opportunities for students like me that are looking for internship, real life, full-time experience to come be the next student CEO. You know, transition is always difficult and sometimes our students don't understand the normalcy of that. They feel like I'm the only one that's going through transition, I'm the only one that's homesick or, or struggling in a class. And this is a nice open environment. It's not, uh, it's not intimidating. You know, people can come by and just get a cup of coffee, get a, a snack, and they can sit in the open areas and they can engage in dialogue in a way that maybe they wouldn't if they were just in their residence hall or just in their room. And so it, it's kind of a, a non-committal way to come in, enjoy the building, enjoy the, the atmosphere, enjoy the coffee, enjoy the food, but connect with others. We wish Melody and her team good luck in their endeavors. I'm Boyd Wilson. That was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, political, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Roan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Roan Radio News Team. I'm Danny Ryan with your news from around the sports world. Starting off with Roan University Sports. The men's cross-country team was last in action on September 17th at the Iona Meet of Champions at Iona College, where they placed 6th out of 10 teams in action. The top finishers for the profs were Jeff Stewart, Justin Kelly, and Brandon Diaz, finishing with times of 27 minutes and 16.2 seconds, 27 minutes and 17.7 seconds, and 27 minutes and 44.3 seconds in that order of Stewart, Kelly, and Diaz. The men's cross-country team will be in action next at Lehigh University for the Paul Short Run on October 1st. Taking a look at the women's volleyball team. In the past week, they have gone 2-1 in their matches after claiming a loss against Eastern University and a victory against Goucher College on the 18th. They also claimed an additional victory against Montclair State University this past Tuesday on the 21st, with the final scores in order being 3-0 in favor of Eastern, 3-0 in favor of Rowan against Goucher, and 3-2 in favor of Rowan against Montclair State University. Switching things over to Rowan University soccer. Starting with the men's soccer team, they only saw action in one game this week against Ramapo for their first NJAC matchup of the year on September 18th. When it was all said and done, the Profs were able to snag a narrow once nothing victory with the lone goal coming from Wilby Alfred in game-winning fashion. The women's soccer team also faced Ramapo for their first NJAC matchup of the year on the 18th, and just like the men's soccer team, they were able to pull out a slim 2-0 victory behind goals from Sarah Bergen and Nina Carlson. Both teams improved their records after these key NJAC victories, with the women's soccer team improving to 6-1 on the season and the men's soccer team improving to 6-0 on the season. And last but certainly not least for Rowan University Athletics, let's check in on the Rowan University field hockey team, shall we? They faced Pennsylvania road trip action twice this week with a game at Haverford on September 18th and a game at Dickinson on Wednesday, September 22nd. They would go 1-1 on this road trip as they were shut out against Haverford, dropping that game by a final score of 2-0 on the 18th, but they bounced back in a big way on the 22nd by trampling Dickinson College to improve their record to 3-2 on the season. Christina Castagnola and Bridget Guinan paved their way to victory with a combined total of three goals and three assists in the 8-1 victory. 
wrapping things up by taking a brief look at professional sports news, more specifically the NBA. I'm going to focus on one player and one player only, Benjamin Simmons. The Ben Simmons and Philadelphia 76ers saga is far from over as the Philadelphia point guard reportedly notified the team that he no longer would like to play in Philadelphia and that he will not report when training camp starts on September 28th. While this news had been speculated for quite some time now, this confirmation has troubled 76ers fans, the organization, and even head coach Doc Rivers. Speaking of Doc Rivers, in an interview with Stephen A. Smith, Rivers stated that the media twisted his comments when he was asked whether or not Simmons could be the point guard of a championship-winning team after the Game 7 loss to the Atlanta Hawks. Rivers then confirmed that he does believe Simmons can help lead the 76ers to a championship in the near future. Obviously, more to come from this saga as it is far from over. And with that being said, my name is once again Danny Ryan, and this has been your news from around the sports world right here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Twitter's tipping service is undergoing a major expansion. The social media giant announced the ability to tip other users is launching globally. The feature was first rolled out earlier in the year to allow users an easier way to monetize accounts. Twitter says it will only be available for iOS devices at first, but they'll later make it available to Android users as well. The global semiconductor chip shortage is now expected to cause a lot more damage to the automotive industry than previously thought. A new forecast from Alex Partners says the ongoing shortage could cost the global auto industry close to $210 billion in revenue this year. That's up from a $110 billion projection in May and just over $60 billion in January. Alex Partners says nearly 8 million cars that should be produced will be lost because of the lack of chips, up just from under 4 million in the May forecast. Former Defense Secretary James Mattis testified for the prosecution Wednesday in the fraud trial of Elizabeth Holmes, founder of the failed blood testing startup Theranos. Mattis says he invested nearly $85,000 and served on the company's board of directors. The retired four-star general testified that Holmes was his only source of information about the company and that he began to question whether the firm's blood test machine really worked. Mattis said that there came a point when he didn't know what to believe about Theranos anymore. I'm Megan Steckler and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Brandon Searles. Actor Willie Garson is dead at the age of 57. Garson is most known for his iconic role as Stanford Blatch on the hit show Sex and the City and was also filming for the reboot and just like that. Multiple reports say the New Jersey native died Tuesday surrounded by family. A cause of death has not been confirmed, but he was reportedly battling an illness. He was also featured in the movies There's Something About Mary and Freaky Friday. Garson leaves behind an adopted son. Netflix is the new owner of Roald Dahl's entire catalog. The streaming giant says it now owns the Roald Dahl Story Company. The author's most famous works include Charlie and the Chocolate Factory along with Matilda. In a statement, the California-based company noted the success of Dahl's books around the world and their impact that continues today. In other Netflix news, the announcement of Tiger King 2 was made earlier this week with a confirmed release date for before 2021 ends. Mick Jagger is dedicating the new Rolling Stones tour to Charlie Watts. The No Filter tour officially starts Sunday in St. Louis, but the Stones did a warm-up show Monday night in Massachusetts. The 14-song concert was a private event at Gillette Stadium, hosted by New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft. Mick Jagger opened the show by saying how much the band misses their drummer and by telling the crowd, let's have a drink to Charlie. 
Charlie Watts passed away last month at the age of 80. A lawyer for Britney Spears is hopeful her conservatorship will end this fall. Matthew Rosengart also said he wants to remove Spears' father, Jamie, and he wants that done next week. He's asking a judge to appoint an interim conservator on September 29th. Rosengart explained the pop star's engagement to Sam Asgari is going to lead to a prenuptial agreement. This means the conservator has to get involved and Rosengart claims Jamie taking part won't help things at all. Johnny Depp believes no one is safe from cancel culture. Deadline reports Depp spoke to reporters at the San Sebastian Film Festival in Spain. He said it only takes one bad sentence and then people no longer have any ground to stand on. He noted while cancel culture has happened to him, it's happened to a lot of people including children. This comes after Depp lost his role in the Harry Potter spin-off series Fantastic Beasts after he lost his libel case against the son calling him a wife beater. The trail found the claims the paper made had been shown to be substantially true. Even without Johnny Depp, the next chapter in the Fantastic Beasts movie franchise is hitting theaters with an earlier release date. Multiple outlets say Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore will now hit the silver screen on April 15th of next year. The film was originally set to come out in July. The third chapter will also include Mads Mikkelsen, who replaced Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. Fall may only have just begun, but Christmas is ready to steal the spotlight from Halloween and Thanksgiving. The Hallmark Channel is out with its lineup of original holiday movie premieres. Both The Countdown to Christmas and Miracles of Christmas are stacked with new holiday movies featuring fan-favorite actors and actresses, including Lacey Chabert and Candace Cameron Bure. Hallmark fans can look forward to new titles like You, Me, and Christmas Trees, Boyfriends of Christmas Past, The Santa Stakeout, and many more. I'm Brandon Searles, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.